When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Low Tallest, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, and then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Do you read Stephen King? Good news. There's a club for you. The Losers Club. Every Friday, us losers journey through the never-ending wastelands of King's Dominion. We sink our teeth into each of King's novels, dive deep into the lore, and review every adaptation. Even better, we're always having guests over. Thomas Jane, Will Wheaton, Mary Lambert, Mick Garris, the list goes on. So what are you waiting for? Join us as we read on through long days and pleasant nights. Consequence Podcast Network. And welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Appreciate you checking out the episode, uh, especially to you all who listen to uh, all of the new interviews that we put out and subscribe to the series. There are new ones every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So if you're a big fan of music and the interviews, learning how the art is made, then I do hope you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from, including Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, all the other hot spots. Just click on over there. We'll take care of the rest. I'm Kyle Meredith, and today my guest, Mr. Stephen Page. Yes, you do know him as the once singer for Bare Naked Ladies. He's been on a, a solo career since 2009 that has just continued to pump out high-quality music. He, he's a Harry Nilsson type of artist, and I, and I love what he's doing. In fact, this year he's given us a brand new single called Isolation, very witty, funny lyrics that goes along as a quarantine song, and he and I are going to be talking about that, but also how his year took a big uh, reroute. He was supposed to be spending much of 2020 uh, behind a musical that he's helped write called Here's What It Takes. We're going to hear about that, how it kind of reminds us a little bit of his history with Bare Naked Ladies, but he'll tell us it's a character study that uh, 
really all goes all the way back to the the electronic duos of the 80s really fun stuff there and i want to ask steven about theatrical writing he's always leaned in that direction at least the way i've heard his songs in the past so i want to hear how that uh or where that comes from and then to the more recent and and relevant stuff he's been doing a lot of home shows very successfully through zoom uh in fact at one point he even um sort of infamously now opened up all nearly 1,000 microphones of his audience and well, that's a sound that we got to hear about as well. Though beyond the home shows, he's uh, he stayed busy with uh, collaborations, both with uh, with Broadway folks and his son. His son, who who does uh, some composing work. They got to fit in one quick show before the pandemic happened, so we're going to hear about that experience as well. And what comes next? Steven's going to tell us he's got about an album's worth of songs. Now, how those songs find their way into the world... Well, that's another story. And yes, of course, we're going to talk a little bit about Bare Naked Ladies. In fact, uh, 2020 is the 20th anniversary of their Maroon record. So we'll hit on that just a little bit as well. Let's jump into it. It's Kyle Meredith with Stephen Page. I want to say first off, um, because it's it's always bad manners to give compliments right up front. I think someone had told me that. I don't understand. But uh, your music has uh, been a part of my life for so long. I so appreciate everything you've done. Uh, and I love keeping up with you and, and especially with, you know, what you've got going on right now. Uh, the music is still great and that doesn't happen for everybody. You're still writing at the same level that you've, you know, that top level that I've always thought you've written at. So first off, you know, thank you for what you've done. Very kind of you. Thank you very much. Yeah. You've got a new single and, and it fits in mm-hmm. with it, too, because Isolation came out. Which, of course, is about the moment that we're in. But as I read, you were sort of ahead of the curve on on all of this, right? It didn't come out once we were really in lockdown. You started writing this before? I wrote it, like, right when I was... I was up in Canada working on a a musical that I've written. And it was supposed to be premiering in June, so we were doing rehearsals and stuff for it. It was like, this thing I've been working on for seven years, finally happening. And here we are in this room with cast and crew and designers and everything else. And then... You could start to see like the canceled South by Southwest and like things like that were starting to kind of drop off. And we were at rehearsals every day going, should we really still be here? And, like washing our hands every 30 seconds. And then I, I think it was around like Friday the 13th, I think they sent us home and said, don't bother coming in today. Just wait this out. And we kind of thought that meant like we're going to be locked down for a few days while they figure out what's happening or maybe a couple of weeks. And so I was sitting there in the apartment I'd rented up there kind of panicking going through social media and uh, news and constantly texting people. And I just started kind of compiling all the stuff that was racing through my brain at that point. And very quickly, like wrote this song and right away sang it into my phone and posted it on YouTube. And it seemed to connect with people right away. So when I got finally got home home from there, when they said, we're not going forward with this thing this year, that uh, came home and did a studio version in my basement. It, it, it is. It, it does it one because it's really catchy. I, I should say that you know it's not just that the lyrics connect; they do. But it's it's a very you like you grabbed onto the melody wherever it was floating out there. You know, it seems like you were ready to grab onto it. But but to write topical like this, I mean, this is you can't be in any more real time than than a song like this. Had you experienced that before as a songwriter? It's rarely been my thing, like to write a topical song and a song of the moment. Like I tend to write songs more about either it's about a snapshot, like I, I look at a character that I imagine in a situation and write something from their point of view, and it's more about just you know trying to trying to uncover character and story and so on. But a couple of years ago, when the uh, 
the Unite the Right rally happened in Charlottesville, Virginia, same thing. Like I, I kind of ran downstairs after seeing footage of that and wrote the song White Noise, which came out on my last record. And that that kind of came out in one fell swoop as well. Do you find that a completely different muscle as a songwriter? Well, you know, both of, both of these songs came out really quickly, and that's, as a songwriter, the thing I pray for. Like, Leonard Cohen has a famous quote where he says, um, if I knew where songs came from, I'd go there more, more often. And I hate that it's like that it's tragedy or it's something that makes you upset that is the thing sometimes that triggers a quick song. But I look back at, at you know, the songs I've written over the years, and so many of them were labor intensive but they took you know i had a portion of a song that i didn't know what to do with and it took me three years before i kind of figured out what the song was actually supposed to be but then the handful of songs that came out quickly are some of the songs i'm most proud of and they're kind of the songs i feel the least involved with the creation of that's so interesting it's so i mean it's it's always a mystery how that all works yeah but, uh, i mean i'm not i'm not a big uh i'm not a, a super religious person but it's the kind of thing where you think and it's not like I would ever th- dare to think that, that I was chosen. It's just that this, I think, like you said, grabbing onto that melody, that's the thing. It's like that stuff is floating out there. And sometimes mm-hmm. your brain and your your spirit and everything else all kind of line up and just reach out and it's there. And that's that's a, that's a really cool thing. Well, e- even beyond, you know, kind of the quirkier lyrics, I mean, it, it does summarize everything so perfectly in, in that line. Everybody is together. But, <laughs> you know, in, in isolation. And that's I, I feel like that's got to be one of the big tricks, too. It's you are taking something very personal, but you're you're in, you know, you're wrapping us all within that. Yeah, I, I kind of felt like especially at that point, because, you know, I I'm not used to being always by myself. Like Even as a solo artist, I tour with a trio or a band and there's crew or whatever else and kind of always with other people. Uh, here I was kind of by myself, you know, not with my wife or my kids or my pets or anything else working on this show up in Canada and my partner that I wrote the musical with the, the playwright was down the street in his house. And we were both kind of terrified to leave our houses constantly texting and calling each other back and forth. And I kept thinking there are people everywhere just holed up in their, in their bunkers wondering whether to go out or not. Well, people are finally starting to get brave and I feel like it's the wrong time personally. I, I divorce and so I take my son, you know, we take him back and forth and we're all pretty good about that, but it's like suddenly everybody's out on the road again and I'm experiencing traffic and I'm like, "No, this is this doesn't feel right yet. This doesn't feel right for me." I'm totally with you. I'm I'm I'm, you know, as much as like I've had shows canceled, you know, summer tours and stuff are coming up and probably stuff in the fall will all get canceled or rescheduled or whatever else. And that I hate that. I mean, I hate that because I love what I do, and it's also my main source of income. So it's frustrating and it's anxiety-inducing. But at the same time, I'm not risking it. And I see. I totally get the same thing. Like my my stepson lives with us, and his father lives about an hour away. So you know, there there is the back and the forth. And even that like made me a little anxious early on. Luckily, we're both being safe and healthy. But hey, go to the grocery stores now and. And people are aggressive out there now, too. It's weird. It's it's just so weird. Yeah. You'd mentioned the play, and, and I wanted to kind of hit on it, you know, because it was supposed to premiere. It was supposed to premiere this summer. And, and to be working on something for seven years, as you said, to, to have that put on pause, uh, here's what it takes. Can you tell me a little bit about that, like what we can expect whenever it does happen? Sure. It's, it's a musical about a band, about a duo, not the band that I used to be in. It's not, But it is certainly 
there are elements of this, you know, it's about the spirit of collaboration. And th- those things I certainly learned from my years in Brandy Ladies. And we get started as a duo. So that's kind of a jumping off point for it. But it takes place, it's about 10 years earlier than us. Like the character is about 10 years older than me. So they started a band in about 1982. And it goes from then up until the present. And so the music gets to kind of evolve and starts very kind of synth pop. I imagine them as being part of this legacy of these, you know, my, one of my favorite forms of music, the, the duo, the electronic duo, like Soft Cell or um, Eurythmics or Sparks or whatever else, where you've got the kind of the studious young scientist behind the keyboard and the emotive front person. And that's kind of the archetype that the, these guys were built around. And then they kind of try to make it work through the rest of the 80s and 90s and eventually break up and then come back together later in life and kind of look back at their story. But uh, musically, basically my last two albums are largely songs from this musical, which I didn't want to admit when I put the records out just in case the musical never happened. <laughs> <laughs> but then there are, a bu- there are a bunch of songs that are in the musical that aren't on the last two albums, because as we've been working on it, you start doing stuff like, like oh, this character here needs to have a song here to say this thing or to move this part of the story forward. And that's a whole different way of working than I've ever worked before, which is weird and exciting. And and also in theater, when you're in rehearsal and everybody's sitting there waiting and they go, yeah, we need to change this part or we need to cut this song and add a new one here. And you got to come up with a new song for them to sing tomorrow. You don't have the luxury that I usually have of mulling stuff over forever. And sometimes it makes for some pretty great stuff. That's um. I'll mention really quick. I just had Russell from Sparks on the show uh, last week, and uh, oh. uh, speaking of amazing duos, and I know I'm getting off the off track here, but just yeah, they're still blowing my mind. They're twenty some odd albums in, by the way, and that group is still ugh, amazing. Yeah, they, like, they they never cease to amaze me. You know, some records I love more than others, but like you can look, you could choose one record per decade and go, that is amazing. That's amazing. Like, yeah. You know, each one, each each decade you look at, there's something absolutely kind of groundbreaking and stellar about them, and hilarious and smart. Right, and, and they're still there. It's it's still they they still got that, whatever that is. They yeah. still got that. It's it, it doesn't surprise me that you are part of something like this though. With here's what it takes because. Because to me, your music has always leaned toward theatrics, you know, whether you would have called it theatrical music or not. I mean, that's a different definition, but uh, but you've always sort of leaned there. Um, where does that come from for you? You know, I don't know. I think I, you know, I certainly always enjoyed, I mean, I still enjoy performing. I like the theatricality of it. Uh, I like the being able to put on a show. And even like when you do a solo show with an acoustic guitar or, or a trio, as I play now, there's still an element of theatrics to it. And some of that is about appearing to be more relaxed than you are or for appearing to be less prepared than you are. All those kinds of things are part of the theatrical nature of putting on a show that makes people feel at ease or ill at ease or whatever it is you're trying to get them to feel. It's a manipulative thing, but hopefully for good, not for evil. But when it comes to writing, I've always liked music that, uh, I've always liked writing music that explored character or uh, the idea of here's somebody, like the I in a song is, is not always me. People might always assume that, but you know, I think what the I is being some person I've imagined. And I'm not going to explain who that person is in the song. I'm just going to let them sing that song, which is what happens in musical theater. You know, the rest of the play details who that person is, and the song details 
what you're thinking or feeling. So, so I know because of all this, though, it's given you the opportunity then to do this live from home series, which has been really interesting to kind of uh, see how that's for for a lot of artists to see how that's you know um, how they've dealt with that and and found the creative ways to get through that. For you, I mean, it's it's obviously different than playing to an audience, uh, a live audience. But what has the uh, what has the experience been like so far? Well, I've chosen to do them on Zoom. So it means I actually do get to see the audience. That's the crazy thing about it. It's like I sing into a webcam and, you know, I, I do it in my studio. Hopefully the sound is decent and stuff, better than me singing into my phone. And you, I sell tickets for these things and we sell them out. It's like, you know, the maximum you can have on a Zoom call is a thousand people. So a thousand people come and watch on their phones or their iPads or their computers. And you can see them and see their response. It's not the same. It's not exactly the same as sitting in a venue and really like, you know, when you tell a story, you can feel whether you're losing the audience or whether you can keep going. And you can't fully tell that on a, you know, watching people on a, on a Zoom call. But I think not only is it great for me, it's great for the people on the call to be able to see other people in their living rooms or kitchens or backyards and have some, a little bit of a sense of community when they're listening to music together. So it's, it's actually been kind of, well, it's been very moving for me. And the weirdest thing also is like, I finish some of these, these shows, I do like a full length set and I'm drenched in sweat. It's as if I did a show in a club or a theater or something like that. Like it's still, I'm going for it. And it's something I think, I don't know if I would do that if I was just singing into an empty lens. Yeah, I did see the, of course, uh, you unmuted nearly 900 mics of your entire audience. <laughs> What's that exactly yeah, sound I, like when you unmute 900 computers on your end? It sounds like what I think opening the the gates of hell sounds like. <laughs> um, I mean, I knew it was going to be chaos, and what, but what I thought was I had I actually had some friends helping like to co-host this so they could you know mute and unmute the stuff for me, and so I said okay, go ahead and, and unmute it because the sing along part of the song chorus girl. I thought it'd be really funny to just have this mess just for you know a few seconds and I could say, okay, mute it. But when that happened, it was just this cacophony and the whole program just about died. Like the whole Zoom chat almost ended. Like when we tried to mute everybody, some people's mics just stayed on anyways and we couldn't turn them off. So then you could hear people talking. It was just, <laughs> it was joy and chaos all in one. The demons of the internet coming through the, the hell gate. Oh. <laughs> they were helpful demons. I know this has also given a lot of people chances to take on um, collaborative projects that they might not have had time for. We've seen, you know, classic movie casts be able to get back together because they got nothing else to do. And I've seen that you've been able to do uh, some stuff like that uh, as well. I mean, the, these guest appearances, uh, what there was one that was a Broadway thing about staying six feet away. I mean, do, do a lot of these come through at this point? Are you able to take on stuff that you wouldn't usually? Yeah, I mean, I actually do have a lot a lot of requests, and I'm always flattered that people remember I exist. But, you know, you also make friends along the way. And that, that Broadway one was done by this guy, Eli Bolin, who, I don't know if you saw the the, um, the John Mulaney special, The Sack Lunch Bunch on Netflix, but he wrote all his, co-wrote all the songs for that. And the, the documentary now co-op Sondheim parody and stuff. And I loved that stuff. I just thought those songs were amazing. So I had reached out to him a few months ago just saying, I think these songs are great. Turns out he's a fan of mine, which is awesome. So when he put this song together, asked me to be part of it, which I was thrilled to be part of. And then, um, you know, I also have this other band called the Trans Canada Highwaymen, which is four frontmen from four Canadian bands. So it's myself, Chris Murphy from Sloan, 
Moberg from The Pursuit of Happiness and uh, Craig Northey from The Odds. And so we all kind of play each other's songs and trade off instruments and we you know, tour and have a good time doing that. We haven't been able to be together. So we've been making videos in our basements and backyards and stuff. We're in the middle of our third one right now. Um, we did one version of uh, a Brandy Lady song, Alcohol, that's out there now on YouTube and stuff. And then there's another one of a Sloan, ver- Sloan song. And then we're now we're recording a Pursuit of Happiness song. So that's been a fun thing to be able to a fun project. I'll tell you, I, I think those moments are, are important, um, especially for an artist, if you have those opportunities too, because and I'll try not to get too heady here. I was I was reading a report recently where some scientists say the weird thing, the really weird, funny thing about all this is we'll forget most of this. In a few years, you know, it'll be a pop culture moment, but because we weren't using our brains and our memories or to, to make memories, you know, we weren't doing anything to make memories. There's not going to be much to latch on to. And I think that's why the collective moment of everyone said March felt like it lasted so long, but where the hell did April go? You know, it's it's in those right. moments. So to be an artist, to have those moments, I think that's you've got like the only hope possible to uh, to be able to say, no, I was there. <laughs> I was there. Well, that's amazing. There. That actually that, that makes me feel very good. Because I mean, right, I've been writing a song right now about my own feeling, especially before I started these these live from home shows where like I, it's been this kind of wave. Like it started with anxiety when I wrote isolation and I kind of raced to finish that recording. I really, I've never tried getting stuff up on streaming services myself or without a label or anybody else, like, you know, learning stuff. I love to learn how to do things. So that was like a big blast. And then I just kind of crashed. It just felt like kind of going home from a tour for the first, for a couple of weeks, like lying on the couch and watching Netflix. And then, then there's no next tour to get up off the couch for. And it was like depressing. And then I started doing these shows and I kind of started to get energy again. I'm writing, but I started writing a song that's I'm in the middle of recording now that it's kind of about that. My feeling of like, what am I going to have to show for this time? We all thought we were going to make, you know, write a novel or, you know, it's the, the old Shakespeare wrote King Lear under quarantine pressure that a lot of us are putting on ourselves and uh, trying to write a song about that and then realizing as I'm doing this, oh, well, I guess there's something to show for it. Yeah, Shakespeare didn't have Netflix. I think that's the other part of that. It's, uh... I know, if he had Netflix, he'd, <laughs> no. be, he'd be watching uh, one of those dating shows over there. I, that, see, I haven't gotten that far. I've almost emptied Netflix, but I haven't watched the dating ones. Yet. Yeah, same. I haven't done that. That's, that's, that's a line. It's a line. I, I'll say that. It's a line. <laughs> Um, yeah, on the, on the lighter side of things, on the cooler side of things before this all happened, cause I wanted to bring this up too. Uh, you got to fit in like one more really cool show and you got to work with your son who I didn't know until this is a conductor as well. Right. That's right. Yeah. My, I have three sons and they're all musical, but all in different ways. And so my eldest is actually just finished his, uh, his, uh, uh, master's degree in conducting at Bowling Green in Ohio. And, uh, he's also a composer and arranger. So we've been doing these, these um, symphony shows, and uh, he had done a couple of arrangements for us. But this the, this one we did in the winter was an opportunity for him to actually come and uh, and conduct the show, which was amazing. That's and that's got to be a cool point. Like I, I'm a father, like I said, I've mine's a, I've, I have a 12 year old. Uh, who knows if we'll ever be able to collaborate in a way like that? But I gotta think that you know having those moments like that, that's got to be something really special. Oh, it's no, it's amazing. Nothing. Nothing feels as good as that, especially the fact, honestly, as a dad, the greatest thing 
is when your kids actually want to do something with you. Like I've been very lucky. It's, I've never been in a position where I've embarrassed my kids or, or where they, you know, not wanted to do stuff with me. But the fact that they've, you know, they're grown up now and they still like what I do and want to bring what they do to it, it's the greatest feeling. Now I can't imagine from, you know, if if you're a child of someone who has had, you know, success over the decades, for them to be able to look at all of those moments of of what you've been through, the uh, for the the young years, I guess is what I'm looking at. You know, those early years, those early tapes that I think I'd want to hide from my kids just because I look so embarrassing. You know, you might not embarrass your oh, kids, sure. but you've been embarrassed. <laughs> Oh, totally. But they were there for a lot of that stuff. Like, you know, all that time like in in nineties, you know, my like my my eldest would have been you know two when Stunt was the big album. So he was around. I like, grew up on the tour bus, saw the shows a million times. It was just part of his life. So he feels kind of sentimental about it. I think. And also, the other great thing about my kids is they're all nerds in the best way possible. <laughs> like like that. Like, so there's there's they they don't have any desire to be cool. They would rather be quirky and uh, themselves. And so that's like, and that's always being welcome, you know, and encouraged. So that's exactly who they are. I love that. I love that. Well, I'll wrap up with a, with a what's next question because you, you do have, you know, the two-part album in the rear view that connects, as you said, to uh, to Here's What It Takes. Is it, you think it's just going to be these little one-off songs right now? Or are you planning, are you able to plan something bigger right at, at this moment? I actually have like a good, I would say an album's worth of songs that are in various stages of completion. Like, you know, some of them are, uh, some of them are, are basically done and I'm kind of waiting to, to decide whether I do them fully by myself or do I do them with my trio or do I do, do them with a full band, that kind of thing. But albums are weird. Like you spend so much time on these. Just for me, it's endless. The hours of me editing and re-recording and deciding and mixing and whatever else. And then you put a record out and it feels like nobody notices and nobody hears. But you kind of have to do it. Like in order to book shows, people won't book you for concerts unless you have something new out, no matter how whether your best years are behind you or not from a sales perspective. I guess they feel like there's that's part of the, the publicity and promotion kind of engine. So you have to keep productive. And then also as an artist, you have to keep productive. But what's the best way to re- release it? So I will probably do a bunch of one-offs and then an album is probably the short answer for that. Yeah. Long, short answer. Well, I think a lot of artists are doing that. And, and I, I think a lot of artists see that too as, you know, the long game. We've got enough history of uh, pop and rock and roll behind us now. I, I, you know, I think you can see the long game that if any artist sticks around in it long enough, you, you know, maybe you have the 10 years. If you're lucky, you have the 20 years. And then you kind of have the downward slope before everybody says, I miss you. Where are you? And you're like, I've been here the whole time. I'm putting out music. And they're like, it's the comeback record 10 years later, whatever, you know, and it's, um, well, and it's, that's totally how it is. Like, you know, maybe the, the media at large hasn't fully picked up on that, but like the fans have, like I was always doing shows in the, in the years from, let's say 2009 when I left Bare Naked Ladies until, uh, 2016, I was doing shows all the time and, you know, doing these okay numbers and stuff, but like people just felt like I was invisible. So they were saying like, what happened to you? I was like, I don't know, I'm right here. <laughs> but something over the last three or four years, and part of that is doing, making a more concerted effort to really tour. Like, really, rather than doing one-offs and three this week and two next week and whatever else, but really getting out and touring hard, like I was a 22-year-old again, it's really been great because people are coming and people are connecting to it. And I'm loving it. Like, you know, I used to kind of dread, I got to the point where I started to dread long tours 
spend times away from home. My kids are grown now too, so it's different than, but I, I just enjoy it. I enjoy the people I tour with and I enjoy doing the shows. So I think that's probably the answer. And I think albums are just, they're like, to me, they're like novels. If I was a, if I was a, a novelist, and I, I wouldn't want to just only release short stories as much as I might be proud of them. I think you kind of want to be able to signpost your life by saying, this is what I did in this year. That's, that's how I've measured time for the last 25 years or so, so I may as well keep doing that. Well, I, I'm not surprised. I mean, you were, even if it was by accident, you were a, a trendsetter of how to be an indie artist right from the yellow tape beginning, you know, uh, in 1990 or whatever that was back then, uh, to see you f- still finding ways, whether it's the Live From Home series or what. I mean, this seems like what you're really, really good at on the business side of it. I, I love seeing that. I love watching it. So I'll, I'll, I'll keep watching okay. that. Yeah. And as far as signposts goes and, and you know, this, I'll, I'll just mention this, but uh, one of those signposts, Maroon, I know turns 20 this year as albums always continue to age and find anniversaries. Uh, I recently went back and revisited that one. I probably hadn't listened in a while. And that is such strong songwriting uh, from your songs. Uh, I just, uh, you know, I've loved it, but um, it was a nice reminder anyway. It's always, it's always been my favorite of the Benny Cadetti's records, and I listened to it a year or so ago and was like, oh, because I, I know I started doing some of those songs again. Um, so I was going back to do arrangements for the band and that kind of thing. It's like, this record, like the energy and the recording and stuff is so great on that record. It's, I'm super proud of it. Well, I, I love what you do. And Stevens, thank you so much again for taking the time to talk to me about uh, everything you have going on. I'll definitely be, you know, paying attention with these Live From Home series. And uh, and I can't wait to hear what the, uh, the next song sounds like as well. Well, it was great to talk to you. Thanks so much. All right, man. Take care out there. All right. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. My thanks to Stephen Page. Again, the brand new single is called Isolation. You can find it out there right now. Really looking forward to what comes next with him. Thanks to you as well for checking out this episode. Uh, Before you get out of here, if you're not already a subscriber, I I do hope you hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening from so you can keep up with us and the brand new interviews that we put out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Find us at iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Wherever you're listening now, wherever you get your podcast from, type in Kyle Meredith with subscribe. We'll take care of the rest. It's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and uh, and discover new ones, know what's happening in the music world. After that, head to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern, an hour full of song premieres and music news, anniversary spins, and bonus interviews. Again, that's WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound, they've got your music and film news. You can also find me on uh, just about any social media platform, at Kyle Meredith. Like and follow along there as well, please. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.